This podcast contains language that is not appropriate for children, including naturopathy, homeopathy, chiropractic, and fuck. No, I'm sad you didn't read what was on the prompter there. You know what? I I have free agency, and I chose not to read what was on the prompter. So, <laughs> fuck you. We'll, tr- we'll, tr- <laughs> we'll try again next week. tonight's episode of the science enthusiast podcast is brought to you by our patrons because they are awesome and that list includes james alice all four michaels chris sarah janet amanda astrid andrew jeff susan and our very own friend of the show trevor valley if you want to become a patron as well, you can check out our page at patreon.com slash TSE podcast, and you will get access to premium contents like extended interviews, early access, and just just a lot of a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And and just again, thank you to everyone who thinks that it's worth like throwing a little money our way yeah, it, every yeah, it's, show. Like it, it that's rad. Like thank you very much. Super cool. Um we hope that we do your dollars justice with this stuff that we're doing. Right? Yeah, which yeah, it's and, and it's cool to have that. And we just we just went over a hundred dollars uh per episode, which is I mean it's more than Achievement zero. Achievement unlocked. It's yes it is more than zero. It is triple digits. So it's a number and thank you guys yeah and we've gotten tons of positive feedback which has been great including from one of our patrons alice we were talking about podcasts and how many podcasts are out there and she said well yours doesn't suck so that's i i don't know i don't you can only go downhill from here i think yeah i mean i'm i'm really glad that somebody thinks that we don't suck don't suck so like that that's cool like I mean, I'll take it. There's that. I love you, Alice. Yeah. Yeah. She's like there's she's that. like one of my favorite people in the history of history, I think. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Natalie. Oh, so all I get is like a, an utterance? I don't even get a word. That's, like, eh, that's, that's, that's about where we're at right now. I know. I Well, but it, it only goes uphill from here. Like next week, I'm going to be... All right. Again, I mean, I don't even know where, where we're going. It's it's very like up and down with us here. All um, over the place. So why don't you is. tell oh. us about our God of the Week? Okay. So um, the God of the Week is Plutus, the Greek god of wealth. So he was born to the goddess Demeter. I, I'm guessing that's how you say it. I don't know. After she like you know, had sex with some dude in a field. Like they, they specified That's something I never that, understood. Sorry to interrupt so early. Yeah, no, no, I no, never, go, go ahead and interrupt my awesome story. Yeah. Well, I never understood why gods would have to have sex with one another to like make babies or how that would work. Well, no, no. I, I think this was like a just, I don't think she had sex with a god. I think it was just a dude. It said a hero. Like he was a hero. Still, so I think he was, I know. I know you remains. think they could just kind of, how do you, like just how do you, immaculate conception how do you, kind of thing, or or forced rape. I mean, you know. Well, tomato, right, tomato. Like, come on, I, yeah, I'm I'm telling a nice story about this this goddess who just like had sex in a field. The Dan Broadbent story. <laughs> like where where do I where do I go after that? But anyways, I'm gonna just let people think about that for a second. Oh, that's a mental image. <laughs> 
so then, um, so she, so she has this, this child, Plutus. And, um, interestingly enough, uh, he was going to become this, this god of wealth. He was blinded by Zeus because gods are obviously assholes. He was blinded by Zeus so that he would distribute wealth indiscriminately and not just like give wealth to good people. Because, because, that, because Zeus Zeus could have been like, hey, dude, can you just like give it out evenly? Like didn't even give him a fucking chance. No, he's just like, I'm going to make you blind. Just fuck you. So there's <laughs> the, right. It's just like, I'm just going to be a dick because I'm the like top god so i'm gonna gonna blind this little guy yeah so all of the images i saw though of of plutus this god it's like he just kind of looked like a baby so maybe he just like stayed a little blind baby i don't know i don't know but it yeah he's the he's the god of wealth it said he was first like concerned with agricultural bounty but then came to represent wealth in general like I, I mean, I guess maybe he like created the idea of a cornucopia or something. Does, wouldn't that kind of make sense? Just like that's a bountiful agricultural thing. Little blind Plutus. Poor guy, right? Uh, like just just blind and like, I don't know. Is he just throwing But at the same time, he, he's, a, he's a, I don't know. See this? Uh, it's almost like but he's But he's a, god, he's a god. So like, so that's cool. But like, I would rather be able to see and not be a god. I don't know. That that's me. That's me. Um so hooray Plutus. Um, at least at least these gods have like kind of interesting backstories. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like I I think that the stories are cool. Like they're they're fun, whatever. Um but but still there's that there's that element of dickishness in there that maybe there are like, Zeus is kind of Old Testament goddy, isn't he? Like um I'm kind of an asshole type of thing. of how you became a naturopathic doctor in air quotes I'm gonna use my, I'm you know <laughs> doctor in that in that sense but um what like 
what brought you down that path to start? The abbreviated version is I had a bad experience with a medical doctor. And I think this is a very relatable experience for people, especially anyone who's had uh, a new medical condition or a scary medical condition or a, a health problem that, you know, is emotional for any reason. My health condition was slash is psoriasis, which as a teenage girl was a disfiguring uh, you know, medical problem for me that was really emotionally upsetting. And so when mm. I went to my medical doctor, I, I wanted medicine. I wanted to, you know, feel like I was going to be pretty again. But I also needed emotional support and and comfort and feeling like my concerns were being heard in in that moment. And I didn't get that from him. I remember... Yeah asking him about treatments other than steroids. I was really afraid about taking steroids because my mom also has psoriasis and she's had psoriasis as long as I, you know, have known her and it's gotten worse over the years and treating it with different, um, immunological drugs and steroids has been sort of a messy and problematic, uh, experience for her. And, you know, I've been in, in the front row to see all of that. And I was a little afraid of that happening to me. Yeah. So, you know, I was trying to address those fears with my, with my doctor, with my dermatologist. And the way that I remember it is that he didn't have time to, to have that conversation with me. I don't think he, he scoffed at me, but it was more just like, you know, just being treated like a little girl. Like, you know, here's your medication. Now, please get out of my office and uh, move on with your life. It's yeah. not that, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's just a skin condition. But you, but and, you wanted to have a conversation and absolutely and, and talk and get that, like, I don't, I guess maybe a little bit of affirmation too, that you, you know, were going through something. And I wanted to understand what was happening. It was a very, yeah. you know, I didn't understand how literally within a matter of, I think it was just weeks, maybe three weeks, I had huge, huge psoriasis patches all over my body, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And the month before, there were none. So it came on very quickly. And um, just the whole like pathophysiology of it was very perplexing to me. And I needed someone to just spend a moment with me explaining, you know, how the disease works, what it is exactly what is known and what is not known. And, and a little reassurance that we're going to be able to find a treatment for me that is going to help me feel like I can, I can lead a normal teenage girl life. Yeah. And well, and especially being a teenager, like it's already kind of a fragile enough time in somebody's life. And so you're looking it was for brutal. something. Yeah. 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 And so then did you, did you decide or with your parents or whatever to go to, to seek different treatment or different options because of that experience? So I made the decision to look up information on my own because at that point I didn't realize that alternative medicine was a thing. I didn't yeah. know that there was someone else that I could talk to. I'm not even sure I knew about acupuncture. I had, I had been to a chiropractor, but I had been going to a chiropractor 
as a child, actually, and I didn't consider that alternative medicine. It was just like this other thing that I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when I came home from the doctor's office crying, my dad was heartbroken. And my dad was like, what do you want to do? I'll do anything to to make you stop crying. And um, I said I wanted to go to the library and to read about psoriasis and to figure out, you know, just to get some answers. And so he brought me to the library and I spent hours there over the course of a weekend just digging through anything that I could find that talked about it. And, you know, just a very, like old-fashioned way of looking up information, going to the the card catalog and just, you know, looking through medical texts, basically going to the index, looking at psoriasis, going to that page and reading what was written. And after reading medical texts that basically said the best treatments are steroids and, um, you know, it's a lifelong condition, I then started to find just I guess sort of naturally, books that offered alternative information and began to just devour this information because it it offered answers. It was like, oh no, this can be explained. It's probably your diet and you have too much inflammation and you can do all of these other therapies and take control of your health. And it was a very empowering moment for me because I suddenly felt like I had given myself the tools to make myself healthy without conventional medicine. Well, yeah. and you, you wanted, you wanted options. You wanted to know that you had a choice and that, that you, you had something that you could do is otherwise it's, it's especially for, I can only imagine for a teenager to say, well, tough shit. Like this is, <laughs> this, this is what, what it is. And you're going to have to deal with this for, you know, for the rest of your life. Exactly. That was exactly it. And it really just started me down this path of uh, believing that conventional medicine doesn't address underlying causes of diseases and that conventional medicine just wants to put a Band-Aid on everything through, you know, with using uh, prescription medications like steroids and just starting to believe that... um, that natural options like diet changes and cod liver oil, which I was, I started taking a ton of right around that time could be as effective as, uh, you know, pharmaceutical interventions. And so I already had these sort of like preconceived notions in place when I found alternative medicine and when I found naturopathy and when I started reading descriptions about what naturopathy was on the Bastyr website, you know, now as a college student, it fit perfectly with my worldview. And so as soon as I found this website, there was, there was no way I was going to do anything else. This was it. And, and that's not, I don't think that's entirely wrong going back to like wanting that individual attention and wanting to be heard. I don't think that's entirely wrong with some doctors. I, I have to imagine they're just overwhelmed. I know whenever I go to my, general practitioner like i feel like he just wants to get in and out partially because i've never had any sort of major anything it's always like i have a really bad like a couple months ago i had a really bad poison ivy thing that i needed steroids for and he was like yep okay see ya and and i didn't have like a deep personal philosophical conversation with him because uh, that's not the type of person i am i i don't i i don't i don't i don't like talking to strangers present company excluded but <laughs> uh, but i think i think that's that's also part of it is just that 
so many doctors are just so overwhelmed, especially the general practitioners who, you know, are seeing, I I can't, I don't even know how many patients a day and they just maybe just don't have the time to dedicate that to, which is something, you know, enter uh, your natural path who, you know, maybe does have, have that, have that time or, or even they have the, the extra uh, part of the skill set where, you know, they are a lot more personable than, than just a, you know, a, somebody that actually has formal medical training. Right. What's interesting me, to me now, you, you know, now with the privilege of hindsight, of course, is mm-hmm. that I had other medical problems during this time that were successfully treated just with an incredible amount of compassion and time and empathy by medical doctors who gave me everything that I needed in that moment from them in terms of explaining what's happening, explaining the treatment. And then also some of them even provided some emotional support when I needed it. But you don't remember that I chose not, I chose not to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You, you choose, you choose that experience that really stands out and like kind of like lights that fire. And that's and, not, and, yeah, yeah. And that's not, that's not a detriment to you. That's that's just human nature in general. Is we're not going to remember the five good times we go like to the our favorite restaurant. We're going to remember that one shitty time where they had somebody new and they screwed up everything <laughs> and it was awful. And now we're never going back. Right, right. But the bummer is that for me now, you know, it's part of sort of the grief that I go through currently, or you know, I'm still going through when I think about this is. Instead of choosing to look at the awesome medical experiences I had with doctors, instead of, instead of looking at those experiences and being like, aha, I want to be a medical doctor like her, I dis- instead decided I didn't want to be a medical doctor like that one crappy dermatologist. And I let everything sort of guide me based on that one crappy experience. And it, it, it's such a bummer. And so, but that, and at least though, you can actually look back at that and say, this happened and I'm moving forward. And, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the most admirable things about your story. And I think that's why it resonated with so many people. Like when we heard you tell it at QED is that it takes a lot to kind of stand up and say, I, I made I, I hate to say the wrong choice, but I, I made a choice that, you know, like just, a, I mean, yeah. just a mistake. People make mistakes. And, and that's part I think that's part of our experience as humans is to overcome things that we are just naturally predisposed to, like thinking, you know, that just thinking natural is always better. And and that, well, the you know, thinking that, you know, the right answer better than some stranger that you just met that may have gone to school for eight, 12 years to actually do the thing that they're doing. Right, right. And so is that sort of what Bastier sort of sells in terms of the education that they provide people is the ability for then these naturopathic doctors to go out and provide this holistic care and the feel good and kind of curing the world of all its problems? Like, does it kind of sell you as a student that like ideal type of? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, sort of, just backtracking a little bit. So I was in college. I found the best year website. Like, like I said, it really resonated with all of these ideas that were in place. And it was like, yes, I'm going to be a naturopath. And best year calls naturopaths, naturopathic doctors. And 
um, Bastyr University uses or used to use, I should say, very specific language on its website that uh, that provides the impression that you are attending medical school when you enroll in their naturopathic program there at Bastyr. And they used language that said uh, the naturopathic curriculum was on is on par with that of a medical doctor's education. The naturopathic doctor testimonials on the Bastyr website uh, used titles like physician and primary care physician, and you had naturopathic doctors saying that they um, were working in integrative clinics and working with medical doctors and working in hospitals and providing primary care medicine to babies and or women's women's health services. Um, and there was a whole section on how naturopathic medicine or naturopathy could, uh, or how useful it is in a public health context, because the majority of um, diseases these days in Western societies are are chronic diseases, or you know, diseases of civilization, because we eat too much and don't exercise enough, and a lot of them could be addressed with addressed with lifestyle changes. And uh, the naturopathic curriculum at Bastyr sort of not sort of, it did market itself as being like the key intervention for addressing these chronic problems. And so I, I sincerely and fully went into my, my schooling at Bastyr believing not only was I going to become a medical doctor who had specialized knowledge in natural medicine, but I was going to be able to use these these skills in a variety of clinical and medical settings, including hospitals, um, private practices, and even in uh, like a um, a health policy context, like say at a governmental level or a regulatory level, like at the FDA or the World Health Organization. Because you were going to be a medical doctor, according to them, right? Like because you- I was going to be a medical doctor. Yep. Exactly. And um, I've critiqued this pretty extensively on on my blog, Naturopathic Diaries, and either coincidentally or related to my writings, the language uh, and the marketing terms used on the Bastyr website and the other naturopathic websites have now changed, so they don't say these things anymore. I guess uh, fancy that. It's funny um, how timing works, isn't it? When you start to maybe get um, called out on saying things that, that, I mean, it's just not true. I mean, because I, I know I've, I've read a lot of um, your blog and looked into this, you know, obviously a little bit now, but the schooling for naturopaths compared to the schooling and training for medical doctors, it's, it's astounding, it, the differences like, are astounding. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. can you like touch on, I'm, I know there's so much, but like a few of the things that kind of would make somebody say, oh, like, holy shit, those are two really different worlds that, you know, like a naturopath and then a medical doctor are inhabiting with as far as training goes. Right. So it's important, I think, for listeners to under, to to know, especially listeners who maybe don't have uh, experience with naturopaths or maybe don't live in a city where there's a naturopathic school is that on a very superficial level, the naturopathic programs are 
designed and set up in a way to resemble medical school programs as much as possible. And so if you're someone like me going into the program who, um, like I, you know, I, a family friend was a medical doctor, but there were no medical doctors or, um, health practitioners in my family or in my circle of friends at all. And there was no one for me to sort of discuss, uh, you know, med school preparation or what it's like to be in med school with. And so I walked into the doors at Bastyr University thinking that this was medical school because they told me it was medical school. I, I, I didn't have anything really to compare it to. And also, admittedly, I didn't spend time comparing the Bastyr curriculum with the other medical, with real medical school curriculums because I looked at information provided to me by Bastyr that said, look, you take classes called anatomy and physiology and embryology, and then later you see patients in this clinic, and then you take more classes called gastroenterology and uh, cardiovascular cardiology. And I was like, oh yeah, those are medical words. Like, oh yeah, those are <laughs> those are real. Those are real things. Anatomy is a real thing, and I get to see a patient. Okay, okay, medicine. Yep. And um, do you think they're doing that? That's and this may be foreshadowing to something we talk about later. But do you think they do that intentionally, like knowing that they're tricking people, or like in in a malicious way, or do you do you feel like just based on your like these people legitimately? Because that, that's that's my like what I think Natalie and I both hope is happening is that these people legitimately believe that they're doing something good because the alternative is kind of terrifying. But do you think like whenever they market that, like they're, they're doing that saying, we're going to pretend like this is a real medical uh, education that we're providing or that they're knowingly and intentionally doing something that's a bit more nefarious there. It's actually a complex question because of how everything is structured. And so I'll try to answer it in a very sort of organized fashion, but but please ask me if I'm not if I if I'm not making sense. And so so the first part of it is, you know, do I believe there's multiple ways to answer that question. Do I believe not most naturopaths are intentionally duping patients? No. I, I believe naturopaths are practicing what they have been taught. Okay. So mm-hmm. then you go to the schools and, you know, do I think that the teachers and the administration at the accredited naturopathic schools are intentionally teaching inaccurate and dubious and sometimes outright debunked information and passing it off as real scientific and medical information? No, I don't think that's intentional either. I think the problem lies with, um, how the schools became accredited and why they needed to become accredited. So there's a handful of schools in North America. I think we're up to seven now. So in the U S and Canada that are accredited by a, uh, an organization that sort of oversees, um, the naturopathic, um, it doesn't oversee the curriculum. It oversees the schools in North America. And so, the, the Council on Naturopathic Medical Education. That, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. And so this, this uh, organization is put in place to make sure that the naturopathic schools basically have a clearly laid out mission statement and are well organized and sort of uh, meet organizational standards that should be in place in universities. It does not, the, the CNME that you just mentioned, it does not... Okay sign off on the quality 
of a naturopathic curriculum. And the CNME is made up of uh, alternative medicine practitioners and proponents for alternative medicine. Now, when the schools became accredited, this was a very strategic move by, uh, by leaders in the naturopathic community because in order to keep at least Bastyr's doors open, they needed more student tuition. And tuition costs were going up. They needed, they wanted, I should say, because I don't know if they need, but they wanted to charge more tuition for the naturopathic program. Students were having to borrow private loan money in order to pay for the tuition. And becoming accredited allowed students to then borrow federal loan money, federal student loan money. Oh, okay. So, so that I don't that know for yeah. I don't know for certain, but it seems like like a serious conflict of interest for so the president the former president of Bastyr University Joseph Pizzorno founded the Council for Naturopathic Medical Education which spearheaded the movement for accreditation of the universities which then allowed students to borrow money and then allowed more money to come into the school and basically allowed Bastyr to stay open so so that's how I see it and I see that as a, a like I said as a conflict of interest and I mm. question those motives because I think um you know in the process of becoming accredited that term has sort of been misappropriated misappropriated you know been misused to mean that the education has that the curriculum has been signed off as a quality education. Right, it kind of, that the word kind of legitimizes what's going on. And so, you know, people who are and, and I agree with you. I think that the people who are going into this like yourself are well-intentioned and wanting and wanting to help, you know, like in some ways kind of change the world and, you know, heal people and all of that, but it but it just isn't so is it? <laughs> well, it just it just doesn't happen because even though I said, you know, we take classes with all of these same names. So, yeah. you know, so the accreditation board could, you know, potentially go to the federal government and be like, look at this beautiful education curriculum that the mm -hmm. students learn here. They take a class called anatomy and a class called cardiology. So even though these classes have the same names, the content is not medical school content. So well, there's what, a little yeah. bit of medicine, but it's mostly naturopathic bullshit. Yeah. And what's, and what's, ter yeah, go what's ahead. terrifying is, is now we have, we're going to have an administration that will be receptive to that and is going in may, may even with a miss. And we talked about this, uh, uh, with, with another guest we had on with Trevor Valley, that we have so many things that we're going to be distracted, like even the skeptic community is going to be distracted by now with the, the Trump administration, that things like this, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid, are going to be just not because they're not important. They're, it's just we have so many other things to worry about, to so many other anti-science things that are going to be happening. And so and we're going to have to spend so much energy on other things that things like naturopathy I mean, could very well become like licensed like 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 in in gain ground like it has in Massachusetts that is a 
very depressing thought that I actually hadn't fully considered <laughs> until. Well, good. Until... Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I can just bring <laughs> glad, everybody yeah, please, down to please, my level. Bring, bring, bring down the room. <laughs> like we're we're all we're all on your level now. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. This is this is where this is where we are. Um, but but, but you're no. absolutely right, Dan. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're depressingly correct. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, but but so you're like, you go through this, this training. And what struck me is just like looking at, I I mean, it must've been on your blog, but like the number of hours that say you spend learning about a subject in like at Bastyr compared to the hours that medical doctors put in to learning and practicing and, and just all of it, it's, it's staggering the difference. Um, well, but, and even then, but even then, I it, I can't. It's it, it's all made up anyway. So I guess it doesn't matter what specific example I'm thinking of. But they, I I you, it's not uncommon to see somebody say, "Well, medical doctors only spend two hours talking about diets," or or, uh, you know, they only spend you know a day in med school talking about you know X Y Z, as opposed to you know chiropractor or naturopath or, or whomever mm-hmm. who spent you know we spend you know. A thousand hours talking about, you know, how your pineal gland works or whatever the hell super bullshit they're they're pushing. Super bullshit. It's not just bullshit. It's super bullshit. <laughs> well, it's it's really misleading to make sort of a quantification chart like that in general. Exactly. I mean, even if you were but comparing in, you medical fields, it would be yeah. it would be confusing and misleading. Uh, but as you said, the, the only. Other- the only re- the only the only response I have to that, like the actual medical doctors have to that, is just to say no, and and nope, to, yeah, to, and yeah, no, that's not true. And then what what blows me away is that's this that's the exact argument that they're presenting, like the the people that are pro altmed, that's they're presenting an argument. They're saying no, then the actual people who know what the hell they're doing say, well, no, you're just wrong, and mm-hmm. they, and they don't they reject that mm-hmm. because it. It just it doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. So I, you know, I when I first started blogging, I started to address those educational comparison charts, and mm-hmm. then I've mostly stopped because just trying to debunk chart after chart after chart felt like a waste of time. Because you can compare classroom hours until you know you're blue in the face, but it doesn't actually matter. What what really matters is the postgraduate training that medical doctors receive in required residencies and that naturopaths do not receive. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tend to focus my, so for anyone who's out there listening or, you know, medical doctors and, you know, have to have conversations with patients about how many hours do you spend learning nutrition in the classroom? Because my naturopath learns 90 hours of nutrition mm-hmm. I think um, I think the important piece to focus on is that medical doctors complete residencies, seeing thousands or tens of thousands of patients over tens of thousands of hours to the point where they become so damn good at pattern recognition that they can pick up when something is right versus when something is wrong in seconds or even milliseconds. It's it'd be like saying like hiring an architect to build like a skyscraper who just graduated from from college that has no actual experience or or anything like that. I think it and would hiring be hiring them hiring them to do like a, a major 
major project like that that yeah. they that they're they just don't have the actual experience hands-on experience doing and that and that's and correct me if i'm wrong but naturopaths to actually like i can i can go to a naturopathic or whatever they, they're called university get get my degree and become a naturopathic doctor and, and never actually have any sort of like residency or anything like that is that correct yeah, res- residencies are not required. So it's like, as you said, it's like it's like if I took a class on how to fly planes, and, and I, <laughs> no, I sat in the classroom. I sat in the classroom being told how to fly the plane, and I did hundreds of hours of listening to people telling me how to fly a plane, and then I walk onto the tarmac and I sit in the. And yeah, here's a seven forty seven. Go. Yeah, and and I start to and that's and it. I, I, Exactly. Okay, go. Of course, you're not going to do it right. It's impossible for you to do it right. You're going to make a million mistakes. It's well, you. You yeah. have to have hands. And that's, on how, and that's how you learn is by making mistakes. And, and like so many people don't want to be wrong, but that I mean that's how you learn is is you make mistakes and you learn from those mistakes. Right. But you need right. to be like supervised in the process. Exactly. And, and so, and that's the thing. It's like you're you're then as a naturopath, sort of sent out into the world to just. Just fuck, just dive into it. And it's, you know, quote unquote medicine. And there's people's health and lives at stake. And, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and, and that's the part of it that, I mean, there, there is obvious danger to this. Um, it's not really medicine to begin with, but then it's people who are not properly trained to, to know what to do with somebody who has real, like, serious medical conditions like we've seen it right like what's the tragic some of the cases lately right like in, yeah you're, you're yeah. probably thinking of ezekiel stefan yeah. the, the yeah. Using, like, yeah. who died um from bacterial meningitis after his parents because took maple syrup him. doesn't kill bacterial meningitis or echinacea which is what the naturopath uh supposedly according to her receptionist prescribed so and, and there's other there's there's certainly other examples, other cases in the UK. A, a young boy with autism was hospitalized after his mom took him to a naturopath uh, for treatments that resulted in, you know, an absurd amount of supplements and vitamins and even taking colloidal silver. And, yeah. um, and then there are naturopaths who don't believe in vaccinations, of course, And so you have children suffering with infectious diseases needlessly and are sick with like whooping cough for months and months and months and experiencing broken ribs or, you know, all sorts of respiratory problems. So there's a lot of misinformation being spread around by people who are allowed to use the title doctor. And it's very dangerous and it's very damaging, you know, from a personal health perspective and also from a public health perspective. And I think uh, we talked to, we talked to uh, a couple people uh, before uh, uh, John Snyder and and Clay Jones about kind of about this, this topic that the maybe, maybe the most, I don't, I don't want to call it dangerous part of it all, but the most people who who do go see a naturopath or even may may treat a naturopath as their primary care provider, even though they're not able to be that yet, yet hopefully never. Uh, most people that do that though, like they're n- they're not going to have any necessarily any ill effects, and that I think that's the the part of the danger with this is most people you know will probably be okay, but that 
that the you're going to have like that 5%, 10%, 15%, whatever it is that have something that the naturopath is not going to have the training for the knowledge for be able to identify uh, risk factors for things like that, that are, are going to just like, just like you were talking about uh, with the, the child in, uh, in Canada that died from meningitis that they tried treating with fucking maple syrup. Like you, you have things like that in, I don't understand how, how, how they can justify, justify that. I don't, there's, there's, how do you, def, how do they defend that whenever we have a child who, who died because we didn't, we had something that was treatable that could have been prevented, but we didn't. So the child died and that's okay. Like, I don't understand how, how they can think that's okay. Yeah. So there's, I have two points. So the first is, I think it's impossible for naturopaths to really, uh, be able to objectively quantify you know, cases of, or, you know, times that they've messed up. Even now, I don't know when I missed a diagnosis mm -hmm. or did something wrong because I don't know enough medicine to know. And because, you know, what was happening in that moment is very complex. Like the patient's coming to me with, already not wanting to use conventional medicine or not wanting a prescription. So there's part of the visit that's already um, being influenced by expectations on both sides. And uh, the types of patients, as you, as you touched on, you know, tend to be just the worried well. So they tend just to sort of have complaints that um, aren't serious or maybe they just want to talk about their diet or, um, you know, just want sort of like, a health tune-up or to do something that only naturopaths use, which is to, you know, optimize their health. Um, and even when things do go wrong, naturopaths have sort of a built-in system of avoiding blame. And my, my most recent post on my website actually involves this right now. So yeah. a naturopath last week wrote me a Facebook message saying, she, she hates me. She has sent me lots of hate messages on Facebook. So, you know, so I, I, I'm a little annoyed with her. We went to school with her and I went to school with her and she just, she just drives me crazy. Cause it's like, I get it. You hate me. Stop reading my blog. Like, come on. Good job. Not liking thing. Yeah. It's like, go live your own life. But anyway, um, she wrote me a Facebook message that was like, you should update your blog post on, uh, the Ezekiel Stefan case because the parents were, uh, charged with and then found guilty of not providing their son with the necessities of life. I'm not actually sure if that's the right Canadian phrase, but they were charged with not providing their child with everything they need to, he needs in order to live a, a healthy, happy, happy life. And so in her mind, and she said this in the message too, the naturopath absolutely involved in the case had absolutely no fault. Right, because the, it's the, the Canadian fault. naturopath exactly the Canadian naturopath did nothing wrong, yeah. and my argument back to her was, well, that's actually not true because one, the Canadian naturopath is being investigated by the naturopathic uh, medical board there called a college, and so it actually hasn't been determined what role the naturopath has played in the child's death, and ignoring that, you know. Granted that these parents were sort of natural health fanatics in the first place, but they went to someone who called them herself a doctor and they bought a product from a place that was called a medical clinic. 
And I think it's a reasonable assumption and expectation that something that is being sold to you by a doctor from a medical office is safe and effective. And in my opinion, that is, you know, that's, that's pretty sketchy. That's pretty questionable. And I think that there is blame on the naturopathic community there. And, um, that's, that's, that's no different than, than saying like, uh, if I go to the store and I buy Tylenol and the Tylenol is actually a sugar pill and I, 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 then I get upset because I still have a headache and they say, well, that, that was your choice to buy the, the Tylenol. We just provided it to you. Like we're providing you something that we know and not throwing Tylenol on the bus. They have a great product. I'm not getting sued, but <laughs> They, but it's it's like saying it's it's like saying well we 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 provided you something like we're misrepresenting what we're providing you know, knowingly or maliciously or or not, but it's your own damn fault for not knowing better. And it's something that uh, David Stefan said, like one of his quotes in one of the articles somewhere. Uh, he said, "Do we have a formal education?" Re- referring to AltMed, and he said, "No, but are we educated in it? Absolutely." And it's like. You just like contradicted you just said, yourself. <laughs> yeah, you just contradicted yourself, and it's 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 this whole thing. And of course, like like you hit on there, I forget what it is. Like his dad owns like a company, and then he was like vice president of the company or something like that. Uh, the the dad that that was involved here, so like they had their hands in this. So, like they know, I feel like they should know better, but also at the same time, they legitimately believe. I, again, we hope that the best case scenario is that they legitimately believe that the shit works. Well, you, your argument of you know buying an over-the-counter medication from a drugstore was exactly the argument the naturopath yeah. gave me. And, and my argument against that was, except this wasn't a drugstore, and except it's you know it, <laughs> it, it, it's not a it's a it's a medical clinic, and this was someone seeking you know your so-called you know medical advice it's you can't you it's easy to blame the patient is my point and naturopaths constantly default constantly default to blaming the patient whenever something doesn't go right it's never them it's never that the therapy didn't work it's never that they did something wrong it's that the patient somehow messed it up and these are the same assholes that will go back and say, well, doctors and big farmer kill, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of people each year in, in mistakes and, and whatever. But, but they don't make any mistakes because like you said, it's, it's, well, the, the patient wasn't compliant with treatment or the, you know, something else, not me, everybody sucks, but me, I'm great. And what we're mm-hmm. doing is right. Mm-hmm. Well, right. It's also it's, this yeah. sort of like, it's a delusional way of thinking because, mm-hmm. Um, so the reason why I left natu- left, you know, being a naturopathic doctor was my boss in Arizona was importing a sketchy cancer drug called Ukraine. The drug was coming from Austria and he was charging patients thousands of dollars in cash. And then the drug would be shipped overseas and it would arrive. And then he would give, you know, intravenously deliver this drug, uh, you know, under, you know, this idea that this drug was, was treating their cancer somehow. And I found out that this was, um, that this drug is not FDA approved, which then meant that this was, this practice was illegal. And I 
had found myself involved in this accidentally because under my boss's orders, I had helped administer this drug. And so it was a horrible, horrible experience uh, that required legal counsel and um, months of (laughs) processing and some psychological help, (laughs) I have to say. But, But something that sticks with me in that you know, I'm confronted with all the time now that I sort of look for these examples in the alternative medicine community is that you constantly have alternative practitioners. I find a lot of naturopaths who do this that believe that they understand the medical or scientific concept and the evidence for something better than all of the experts in the world. You can, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, let's say it's vaccine safety, it's um, drug safety and how to evaluate evidence for a new cancer drug, or even something simple like like a test, like a genetic test, which is um, a topic I'm working on right now for an article for Forbes. And you run into these naturopaths who are like, yeah, I, I know the rules, I know the laws, I understand the guidelines, and I understand that the experts say that this shouldn't be done, but I'm doing it anyway because I've looked at the information independently and I've come to my own decision that I understand it better. And And that blows my mind. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's an an incredible way of thinking, isn't it? That, that this is actually happening. Um, And so you, so you at that at this point in your life, like having experienced all of this, is that did it kind of is that what lit the fire with you to want to sort of expose this this world? Yeah, I mean, at first there was a profound sense of devastation. I can imagine. I I, I can't. I imagine, can't. But yeah. yeah. Actually, well, actually, <laughs> so I I think many people this week are feeling how or similar to how I felt when I realized that naturopathy wasn't what I thought it was in terms of the outcome of the recent presidential election, in terms of like having a sense that you don't quite understand what just happened. Um, you don't understand. Shock and devastation. Yeah. 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 You, you don't understand the people who made, you know, the decision that they made. And um, just feeling like you don't know what anything means anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's how I felt. I just remembered feeling, I mean, sitting across the, the desk from my, from my former boss and telling him the information that I found. And his response was like, and? So what? I was like, well, that means that this is a federal crime. He's like, well, I, you know, I know that what I was doing was, you know, in the legal gray zone, but I chose to do it anyway. It, it, you know, to have that, to be confronted with that was just, and then to realize that that, that that practice is actually rampant in the Mm -hmm. naturopathic profession. So, so it was first the devastation of, you know, uh, of feeling betrayed by my boss and let down, and then the realization of the, f- the fact that naturopaths all over the country are doing this. And then after sort of coming out of that, 
that, that, that grief, that's when I got fired up, as you yeah. say, <laughs> and decided that I wanted to, um, that I wanted to not just sit here and mourn, but actually do something about it. Yeah. And can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you've done? I mean, like you have that, like you started that petition, like you're, you're writing about things. I mean, because it's, this is stuff that needs to get out there because I don't think people know Mm -hmm. what, what this, what this is and that, you know, alternative medicine isn't medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I started my blog, naturopathicdiaries.com and I started it as a way to just vent and talk about my experience as a naturopath because I began to realize that I had a lot of crazy experiences as a naturopath in just three short years that could easily demonstrate how naturopaths are not adequately trained to be doctors or to provide medical care of any kind. And I wasn't expecting anyone to pay attention to my blog. I thought, why would anyone care that <laughs> that I'm blogging about this? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I was wrong. The blog became popular, and I was asked to contribute articles to science-based medicine, and it became very clear to me that no one right away that no one had written about the naturopathic education because no one had done what I had done, which was had been a naturopath and then decided to not be a naturopath anymore and then decided to publicly talk about it. And so I had this unique opportunity to share uh, what the education system is like and details about what I learned and how um, the curriculum is structured and how clinical training is structured. And all of this information could be used to, of course, educate the public about the dangers of naturopathy, also educate health providers, especially medical doctors, about the dangers of naturopathy, and to also inform lawmakers about what naturopathy really is to help uh, guide them towards making reasonable policy decisions and and not license naturopaths. So I started writing um, in detail about my education, as I said, and my experiences. Um, and then the opportunities just kind of came rolling in to continue to communicate what alternative and naturopathic medicine is. So I do a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm starting to do a little bit public speaking, like with QED. I started a petition, like you said, at change.org called Naturopaths Are Not Doctors, Stop Legitimizing Pseudoscience. Um, It's aimed at all of North America because Canada has the same problem as U.S., as in the U.S., where naturopaths are becoming um, licensed and registered and allowed to use the term doctor. You can find a link to that petition on my website, by the way. And I, I now have the opportunity to contribute articles as frequently as I can to Science 2.0 and Forbes, which is just an amazing experience because the readership of these, these online platforms are huge. And so I've been able to do some of, I think, the most effective, uh, some of my most effective work through writing through these other big websites. I mean, something that that's impressed me, um, you know, kind of talking about some of like the awareness of alternative medicine and all that is what um, like Good Thinking Society has done in the UK, mm-hmm. like with how they've challenged homeopathy and actually have, you know, started really making some changes like they mm-hmm. they've been effective. Like 
what what do you think the I mean obviously what you're doing is raising so much awareness of this like what what can we just as a kind of skeptic community here like in the US Canada like what do you think we can do to continue to to challenge these you know sort of pseudoscientific beliefs and practices one of the most important things that I think people can do is write to their um you know, to have a voice in, in, in legislation. So to write to their Congress people and to express concern about naturopaths being licensed as, uh, as doctors. And from my perspective, I think it would be incredibly effective to go on the offense and to start to introduce and hopefully pass legislation that places limits on what naturopaths can do you know, proactively or prophylactically, because mm-hmm. once the naturopathic profession gets their foot in the door, so to speak, in a state, like once they get licensed or once they get, once they get in, it's just a matter of time before the scope of practice opens up. And that, that state naturopathic association is going to come back legislative season after legislative season, asking for more and more and more and more until they are, allowed legally allowed to do everything that a medical doctor is allowed to do and that's very it's very hard to repeal and to intervene in that process for a lot of reasons one um you know that the naturopathic community is small but loud uh they're becoming more they're becoming more organized they're pouring more money into legislation that the national association American Association for Naturopathic Physicians now has two new sort of point people to organize legislative efforts and has a marketing outreach person. Um, Supplement companies are funding these movements. So they're now becoming sponsored and have like big corporations financially backing them. And the opposition consists of very busy doctors and skeptics who are skeptics sort of as a hobby, you know, most, most, most skeptics just do this during their free time. You know, even the really, really popular ones do it in their free time, you know, not as like a main time, not as like their main full-time, full-time job. They're doctors or scientists or whatever. It's a a passion that, that, that people have, but it's not something that, that can, you know, be, be, yeah, Mm -hmm. like the the Mm full-time, full-time passion that, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. pays the bills and, does all of that kind of stuff. So I guess it's important to have as many voices as possible because there's not, there aren't people that can devote their life and all of their time to making this change, but it has to be the, you know, the community of people, I think. That's right. That's right. So the Society for Science-Based Medicine, I think is a good place to start. Um, It's run in part by a woman named Jan Bellamy. Mm -hmm. She uh, is a former lawyer and she just really is up to date on all of the legislation for naturopathy and other um, alternative healthcare professions. And the website is uh, does a good job of sort of summarizing and collecting legislative information that is valuable. So either for you to follow up on as just a local citizen or to um, just be a good place to figure out how to start supporting um, the efforts to stop legitimizing pseudoscience. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll have um, links to that like in the notes to our show because I because I think this is just it's important. Like we we have like whatever we can do to kind of stop the slippery slope of legitimizing this, like Massachusetts, then Pennsylvania, and then it just it can keep going. Mm-hmm. But but I think we have to have some kind of hope that people can come together and maybe stop the train from, you know, just derailing. It's, it's like, absolutely, it's absolutely possible. It's just a matter of, um, it's just a matter of organizing and, and, you know, having sort of strategic timing. So just to make you feel better, Natalie, in the last two years, in the last two years, no new naturopathic licensing bills have been passed in the U S um, I've helped defeat one of them in North Dakota through just blogging and blog writing and sending a letter to, um, to Congress people there and to, and to people involved in that, you know, in, in opposing the legislation in Idaho, naturopathic licensing was actually repealed. So it was taken off the books. They lost licensing there. And in California, which is a really important legislation place, you know, really important state for naturopaths mm-hmm. because Bestia University has a branch in San Diego. Naturopaths were trying to push for an increased scope of practice that would allow them to be able to practice independently without the supervision of a medical doctor that is currently required for naturopaths there. And um, and I also was able to write a timely Forbes article that helped convince lawmakers that naturopaths should not be allowed to to practice independently like a medical doctor does. And so... Um, there's more, there's certainly more that can be done. You know, I'm just one person writing articles. And so I think, um, I think there's definitely a ton of hope and, you know, a lot more to do. And I think we can be very successful if we, uh, sort of come together and, 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 and create a formal plan to do so. Well, I, I think it's awesome. And I think, you know, just as we wrap up to just, I guess, really thank you for the work that you do. Um, because it's important, I think, any voice that can bring these issues to light and and enact change. I mean, just to see what you, as one person, have been able to do. It's I think that that's a great story, and I think it's an inspiring one that you know, and anyone who's listening that you know believes in something or wants to help make a change, it shows that it's possible. And I think right now, any, any little bit of hope is, is needed for, for everybody. So I think, you know, really thank you. And uh, thank you for talking to us today. Um, and so if people want to find you like on the internet, where, where can they do that? So they can keep, keep track on, of what you're up to. Great. Thank you. Uh, my blog is at naturopathicdiaries.com. You can also find articles on Forbes, Science 2.0, and Science-Based Medicine by just searching my name in the search bar of those websites. And uh, a link to the change.org position, Naturopaths Are Not Doctors, can be found on my blog as well. And of course, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you, Britt, and we hope you'll join us again sometime. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. So tonight, the reason we love the internet is the Twitter page, Endless Screaming. 
mean, I, like, I had never seen this before now. And, um, like, okay, over 9,000 people are following a Twitter account that's just caps lock screaming, it's, essentially. One could say it's endless sound? screaming. Yeah. It, one would say it. it is, it's endless screaming. It uh, absolutely is. And, yeah, yeah, and 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 just uh, this. I mean, we're recording this Tuesday night, the 29th, and just nine minutes ago, uh, they posted uh, an update, and it reads, "Ah." I mean, like some some are longer screams than other screams. Well, clearly, and, yeah, and almost um, 20 minutes like ago, they lengths. posted, "Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah." So, so that, so that's it. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm not following this Twitter page, but um, you could. Damn, <laughs> <if you want. laughs> and the location of this Twitter account is the void. So I, I can appreciate that. I like that, that this exists in the void. And um, the, the pictures are yeah. pretty good. So so that that's it. Endless screaming. I guess, I guess it's fairly fitting for the world that we live in right now. So timely. <laughs> I think so. Like, I mean, because if you, we are in a dumpster fire right now, so we are all just endlessly screaming as the world burns. I think that's a, I think that's a bit of hyperbole. I don't think the world is literally on fire right now. Okay. That, I mean, that, that is, that is true. I, excuse my hyperbole. Um, Let's, we're just on. in a figurative dumpster fire. I'm the, I'm the one that's right. supposed to like shit out everything. And then you're the one that's supposed to I know what, that. I know what's going on. I know. I don't worry. I'll, um, I have some optimism coming. Maybe. <laughs> Well, that's all we have for you this week on the Science Enthusiast Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, check out the podcast page on Facebook, on Twitter, my page, A Science Enthusiast, or Natalie's page, Skeptical Parenting. And I believe, Natalie, you have a quote for us. Patients deserve to know the dangers associated with getting medical care from undertrained practitioners steeped in pseudoscience. Lawmakers need to know that ND does not convey medical competency. Rather, it indicates that the person using the title is unequivocally not a doctor. And that is from our brilliant guest, Britt Hermes. Um, so let's see. I will tease what we have going on next week. But first, I want to I want to give a recommendation for our listeners to listen to another um, great podcast that I that I really love. Um some friends of of mine and of our show, uh, The Last Tuesday Project, um, a group of skeptics over in the UK, they put out a really great podcast. I think this month's episode will be of particular interest to our listeners, especially um, the fact that we have a lot of American listeners. They tackled the question this month of, should the Electoral College vote for Hillary Clinton? instead of Donald Trump. It's a very interesting discussion of American politics from the point of view of this really great group of um, British people. So um, Sean, Haley, Alex, and David, you did a really great job this month. And um, I hope our listeners go and check you guys out. Next week on this show, we have Chris Cluey join, or well, he's already joined us for an interview, um, which we recorded Shortly you're, after, you're ruining, you're the, ruining the the mystique around it. I I, I know. I, people, I'm, now, now, I'm really now people. I know. I know. People think people think we're recording this all in one in in one session, but now now they know that <laughs> we know. recorded 
we recorded that before I even moved into my new house. That was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I know. I, I just dropped this whole veil of mystery that exists around this show. So so sorry. Uh, but it's but it's a really good talk we had with uh, with Chris. And that will be um, that'll be our show next week. So so come back, please. It'll be great. I mean, or no, um, we, we won't know. No, no. Right. Well, we, that's the thing. That's the thing. We have no fucking clue. So you could just be sitting there right now, like, "Fuck you guys. We never want to. I never want to listen to you again." And that's it. And they and somebody just like you know slams their computer shut, and and they they never have to hear our voices I hope, again. I hope, and, but, I, and I hope you break your screen when you do it. <laughs> so so come back or not. Um, what are you going to go do now? Drink some margaritas? Um, I am literally just going through the Enlist Screaming uh, Twitter account and just retweeting everything. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go watch a really, well, supposedly a really good bad movie now called Double Down. So um, I hope it's hilarious. And if not, um, well, Miles Power you gave me an awful recommendation, so I've, it's, I'm it's really not funny. familiar with that. I think I might go finish uh, grouting. <laughs> no. All right, so I'm I'm gonna go have a f- more fun night than you, maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Have you ever grouted, Tile? <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I haven't. It's but I'm gonna fun. watch it. I movie. I oh. am I am convinced. Uh, I'm gonna have to do some sort of deep investigation on this. I am convinced that home ownership is not only. A overrated, but also B some sort of grand government conspiracy to fund hardware stores and contractors and all has spent so much money. I know it's a conspiracy by big hardware. It is it's big hardware trying to get you down. And then and then don't even don't even get me started about property taxes because oh (laughs) fuck oh. I'm sorry. What basically? I'm sorry that basically, I, that what I'm what I, your misfortune. What what I'm saying is my property taxes right now are almost as much as my mortgage payment is. Basically, is what I'm saying because this home was a rental before I bought it. So, yeah. well, anyway, <laughs> um, on that on that note, um, I've I've, I've retweeted the last seven hours of in the screaming. So for eight, oh, I'm up God. to eight so, hours. So that means so that means that means when I go to Twitter. My timeline is going to be all of that bullshit just, from you. Just endless screaming. They're in, they, oh, this page has no. 11,000 tweets. 11,000 tweets. Like, why couldn't I have thought to do something like this? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But you, you know, you have your own, like, cat-based empire on Facebook. I so, like, have, you know what? I haven't posted on don't. Cats in Space. I, I haven't posted. I know, uh... Matthew from Credible Hulk, who helps run it. I know, I know he's been posting stuff, but I have not done much on that in the last few months. I should probably get back on that. It's more fun just to post cat pictures, anyway, on Skeptical Kitten. Ooh, you, you know what? You know what's really cool? All right, so I just got a text from um, from Vance. He's speaking. Vance Crow, with, fr- um, friend of the show. We can say yeah, that. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> He's, he's in Colorado speaking, um, let's see, grain industry, Colorado grain industry. And here's um, a, one of his slides is, is science moms. And then there's my face and my, my Twitter, um, you know, username. That's, that's cool. There you go. Yeah. There I go. 
at a at a girl uh, is that any better i don't uh, yeah is that, no, that, is that, that less like, i don't know i yeah i don't know we yeah <laughs> no well, yes i i have no idea um but anyways that's the show that's a wrap <laughs> <laughs> what are you oh what? you're gonna have to just like edit this into something <laughs> it's about what I do every week. I think. I'm not sure what that something is. The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC, all rights reserved.